When it comes to being a leader, sometimes leadership doesn't necessarily come easy to everybody. In fact, it is something that requires a lot of work. You might have heard me talk about this before, but when it comes to talent, there are people that are born with certain levels of natural talent, but it takes work to turn talent into skills. Well, leadership isn't anything different. It's something that requires consistent work, consistent commitment in order to take everything to the next level. I want to talk to you today about three specific things that our guest brings to the table today. It's the idea of being accessible being attentive, and being accountable. Welcome to the Level Up Leader Podcast. My name is Michael King. I'm an executive coach that works with high-level leaders to making sure that they can clarify their vision and make sure that they have the right systems, strategies, and structures in place to elevate their whole leadership experience and the impact of their life and the organizations that they serve. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a good friend of mine. He is Pastor Greg Griffith from King of Kings Church in Omaha, Nebraska. What I love about Greg is that he has an insatiable desire for teaching ability and impact with those around him. What you'll notice here is that Greg was not born a natural leader. So everything that you're going to hear him talk about today are things that he is personally committed to, to make sure that he's elevating his life into a place to where he can impact and influence the people in incredibly meaningful ways, but also make an impact in the organization that he serves and the people that are on his team. So please welcome Pastor Greg Griffith to the Level Up Leader podcast. Pastor Greg Griffith from King of Kings, Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the Level Up Leader Podcast. Thanks, man. So good to be with you and uh, can't wait for this. Thank you for inviting me. It's such a privilege, man. It's it's awesome when I get to uh, rub shoulders and kind of cross paths with people that I feel like we're from the same tribe. We look at things similarly. We have a lot of things in common. Um, and so I re- massively respect what you're doing there at your church. And uh, I love your heart for people and leadership. Um, give, it, give me a little bit of a backstory on who you are and uh, what's been going on. Yeah, um, been a pastor for, uh, gosh, 18 years, I guess now, a little over 18 years, and um, married, I've been married for 16 years, and have two kids, two girls, which I absolutely love, uh, a teenager who is um, 15, and um, just all about that, and um, and then a, a 10-year-old, and I get to coach her in basketball, which is a lot of fun as well, so matter of fact, later today, I'll be uh, hitting the court with her as well, so that's always good. Um, been a lead pastor at churches, larger churches for um, 10 years now, since 2012 was when I um, started as a lead pastor in a church. And um, and, I, and I really, really just believe as a lead pastor in um, just equipping, cheering, and setting great vision uh, for where that organization can go to make its maximum impact. I love that. Now, how long have you been in Omaha now? Gosh, we got here in August of 2019, and um, usually when you're called to a church, um, the the goal is to actually grow the congregation on a Sunday morning, and uh, I did something that no one's done for uh, a call for the first six months. Um, We were doing fine, and then I went on March 20th and had zero people in church. So yeah, so I did the opposite due to COVID. (laughs) (laughs) So um, mass quarantine, and we get to blame it all on you. So, yeah, right. There you go. There you go. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so yeah. how, how have things been on the, on the, you know, coming, kind of coming on the pseudo backside of, of the COVID thing? Um, how have things been yeah. for you? 
Yeah, actually, what I what I really say is um, I'm not thankful for COVID, but I am really thankful for what God did through COVID. Um, so coming on to that, it just gave us a time to um, take a moment and take a breath and reset um, as a family, especially moving to a new city. Um, and so that was really, really good and really helpful for us. Um, I also would say that uh, even for the congregation, like, um, when you come into a new organization, um, you lead, but man, you got to earn some chips and it takes a long time to earn some chips. But the moment you go into crisis is a moment where you really um, show your leadership character and chops and you show who you are and you show what type of leadership you'll have in the middle of crisis. And then also whether or not you're willing to give uh, the leadership back uh, coming out of crisis. And so um, I, I, because of COVID, um, I think my team learned about kind of what kind of leader I am, stability, even keeled, um, yet decisive when we needed to be decisive. Um, and then and then coming back out of it, getting back into collaborative and uh, that style of leadership. So um, it was really, really interesting. I would say the one challenge that was just hard was, you know, you're trying to learn names, trying to learn who your people are, um, and then they go away. And oh, yeah. You're just on a screen, right? And then when they come back, it's, have to just covered. And it's like, okay, now I can only know you by your eyes. Um, so the, the name learning was hard, but also, you know, people are like, yeah, but we didn't get everyone back and all that. And I I said, no, but that's okay. Because man, you learned who are those that are the regular, like they're in. Right. And, and now, now it's new and it's great. So, um, so yeah, so those were a couple of the things coming out of it and the challenges from it. Have you found that you've been able to begin a greater level of buy-in from the people that are still with you? Yeah, I think so. I think they saw that we didn't um, we didn't stop. And and one of the things in church world, and I, I would think maybe this would translate even in the business world. Um, I think in in church world, one of the things we continue to hear is there's there's kind of this this mindset of like, oh, remember when our worship attendance pre COVID and it was a much higher. And and actually, I haven't heard of any church that's um, higher than they were pre COVID. Most churches are still less than what they had pre COVID. Um, and, and I think one of the things that we did right away was we said, let's not look and say, we got to get those people back. Do we want them to come back? Absolutely. But we said, here's who we are now. And now let's grow from there. And so, so I think one of the things buy-in wise from our congregation was to see that we didn't stop doing things. We didn't stop vision. Um, we didn't, we didn't let COVID just kind of shut. We were one of the few churches that said, we're going to do, we had, we had Easter still in 2020 um, at our church as a drive-through. We went and rented a LED drive-through screen and um, we had we had it on a radio and, and we said, no, this isn't going to stop us proclaiming the gospel. We're just going to find new and innovative ways to do it. So yeah, I think there was buy-in. That's wonderful. What are some things that you might be doing differently now to create value for people to engage with you um, in person that you, maybe you weren't doing before? Yeah, I, I think really, you know, um, it, when when our, our staff sees this, they're gonna they're gonna laugh because I've been kind of beating this drum. I think coming out right now, I, I, I love to use this phrase, caring is a new excellence. And what I mean by that is oh, that's good. Um, excellence used to be about like perfect production, you know, just making sure all these things are right. Because of where we've been the last three years, people just want to know they're cared for. Um and 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 so one of the things we've really doubled down on is how are we caring? for people that they know that we know 
uh, that they're hurting and we're here so that we can help. And, and that help may not even be that we solve their hurt, but that they're not alone in the middle of their hurt. And so that, that's what we're really doubling down on right now. That's, that's really cool. I love, um, I love some of the dynamics too, of, of just as churches have started to come back out of, uh, of COVID, um, you get to see people that are reconnecting and um, maybe haven't seen each other in, in a pretty consistent cadence on a Sunday morning. It almost seems like you get, um, it, well, several churches that I'm, that I'm working with or coaching, they've actually mentioned, it kind of feels like we have a brand new congregation on the other side of this. Right. Right. Have, yeah. Have you felt anything kind of similar to that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think we, we were just talking about this um, in that, you know, again, one, we're not the size we were. We're about um, 70% of, of what our size was on an average weekly worship. But I would also say um, of that 70%, I would say probably uh, 60 to 70% are new people. Um, and, and so, so yeah, so you just, you know, you have a, a new people that came and just said, we need more community connection and we, we need, we need God. And so, um, and so they, th- so that's a, so yeah, I would say we're definitely a new congregation, um, in our, in our people. We're, we're even seeing this in our kids ministry. I would say our kids ministry is probably, probably at 90% of pre-COVID. And I would say of that 90%, you know, probably a good 45% are new kids. Um, and so, so you're just seeing, seeing that happening a lot. So yeah, we're definitely not the same congregation with the same people. You said that caring is your new excellence. Yep. Yep. I love that. When I say this statement, what do you think? So I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw kind of a comparison on you. Do it. Credibility is the new charisma. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I would I would agree wholeheartedly, especially um, in in the in the culture that we live in right now, where you, you just don't know really like, can I trust this person? Um, is this person real? Uh, is there something that is going to you know? We, we live in a cancel culture at this moment, and so um, so I, I like that because if I know someone is credible and that they are who they are, especially when I meet them, um, not only up front but it, just on the street, um, that, that's going to draw me to someone every day. Craig Groeschel says it like this. People don't want to follow um, someone who's always right. They want to follow someone who's always real. And I, that, I think that's so true. I love that. That's really good. So you, you threw over a couple of different ideas um, to talk about today. So I want to drill in on this, on this, on this, this topic. Um, well, first of all, actually, before I go there, I'm going to go ahead and, and edit this part of it. When it comes to you, Greg Griffith, at some point in time, you decided you had to level up your leadership. Do you have a moment that you can think back to when you had an aha of saying, okay, I have to up my game here? That's, that's a, that's a good, a good question. Um, You know, I, I think it was, it was probably, I I would say it was probably um, around Oh, January or so of 2020, um, right around that time frame. Um, you know, I, I had been a senior leader for eight years or so, um, but I, I was probably way more into the weeds than I needed to be. And then when I got here, um, I, there's a team that was here before me that I didn't choose. And, and where I was before, I chose my entire team. Um, so I was, I was here with a team that I didn't choose. And I had a moment where I realized 
I needed to actually let go. I didn't need to know everything going on. I needed to set vision. I needed to encourage and cheer. But as far as implementation and strategy, I didn't need to say how we're doing everything. I was the guy who was designed to say why we're doing what we're doing. And I had to let that go. And I think the moment I did that, it actually released the cap of what our team can do because it was no longer a stopgap of like, well, we got to check with Greg. What does Greg think? What would Greg want us to look like? And, um, and so, so that was a wrestling moment for me. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I still got it perfectly right. Sometimes I get into the weeds and I'm like, ah, have we thought about this? But I, I definitely have moved to more of a, Hey, here's my thought, take it, run with it. But and whatever you decide, I'm going to cheer it on and we're going to make it work. I'm going to help you win. I've seen this play out multiple different times in that, in that, especially you'd use the word collaboration before earlier. Mm-hmm. I love collaboration. I think it's a superpower of any team that's going to win, especially in kingdom work, uh, mm-hmm. church work. Mm-hmm. I feel like, man, you have to be able to collaborate and be able to trust high levels of trust and empowerment yeah. in order for to make it work. Where, where organizations get it wrong, whether you're your church or whether you're in business, is a lot of times people don't know the spaces to invite collaboration into. Right. Um, and let me be clear about this, is that is that I think sometimes your team members may actually want to collaborate with what the vision actually is, and that's not a collaborative space. Right. Collaborative space exists with how we make the mission happen. Correct. How we yep. make the vision happen. So when I say that, do you have any reflections on that? Do you have any alignment with that? Yeah. Yeah, and that's so true. I think I, I think you're absolutely right. Right, this is Simon Simon Sinek's golden circle, right? Your mm-hmm. vision is the why, and and that really um, is going to have very few people speaking into that, um, because you got to be really clear on what the vision is, and then that vision needs to be something that is lasting through a cycle, right? Um, and and lasting through, as Lencioni talks about in his working genius, right? Lasting all the way from wonder all the way down um, to tenacity. And so, so you've got to, that, that's absolutely true. Your how and your what, that's where your collaboration circles get larger, right? Your how is going to be a little bit larger of a table, collaborating, how are we going to do this? And then your what, what, what is happening? That's going to be even larger. And that's where your collaboration actually makes it gold because now it's taking the vision and you've got more people speaking into this same vision and going even greater. And then what's get, what gets out is, is more options. And that's the thing that I think people get stuck with, with those things is it's like, it's all talk about the vision. And then it's like a, a single um, bullet, right. And, uh, or a, a cannonball. And, and sometimes you, you really want to fire that shotgun approach with the what, because people are used to options. And so they need to be able to have options that comes from a single bullet. Right. So yeah. So I like it. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. Yeah. And what I love about what you said too, is because I, th- I think sometimes when we forget about this, when we forget about inviting people into that space is that um, I think sometimes I've done this, I've made this mistake is that I think that I know the people that I'm collaborating with. Yeah. And so I put them into predestined boxes, you know, yeah. like ex- expectations that I think they're going to expect this, you know, behave this way, bring this to the table, but true collaborative allows the wonder to open up. Right. And for somebody to bring something to the table, so it's like, oh man, I had no idea you were great at that, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Let me throw one more thing at you before I ask you um, your level, your big level up leader tip, right? Yeah. Um, because you're, when we talk about collaboration, um, especially you being the, the chief visionary officer of, of the, of your organization, of your church, um, which by the way, that has weight to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. It's all on you, man. (laughs) Um, But but I love this. So when we start to empower people, you know, like you can't really empower people unless you have your systems and your strategies locked in, right? 
um, and your structure is locked in, clearly, clearly defined. But what do you think about this statement? Is that culture is the is the the fuel that moves your systems and strategies into into peak performance? Yep, yep, absolutely right. Who I, I don't know who said it, right? Um, so that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, so true, right? Um, if you don't have a good culture, I don't care what your vision is. I don't care what your product is. I don't care what you're doing. It's not going to be as great. It can it do well, maybe. Um, but will it have sticking and longevity? Definitely not. I love, I think Carrie Newhoff says it right. Um, people don't quit um, jobs. They quit their managers. Um, people mm-hmm. quit culture. Um, and, and really too, if you've got an unhealthy culture, and, and this is so true, if you have an unhealthy culture, you will attract unhealthy people. And if you have a healthy culture, unhealthy people will want to get out, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, I mean, and so your culture really matters. And, and I actually do think that, um, as, as whoever is your top person, it is culture is their job. Um, it, and it, le- it rests solely with them. And that means sometimes leaning into awkward, um, when someone is, is not getting culture, that means having the candid and careful conversation. And, and I, and, and I know some ag- disagree with me on this, but, but I just, I just think this is something you have to own. It doesn't matter what level a person is at. Um, you have the responsibility to talk to them. So, so if I have a, 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 a part-time staff member who is a, not part of our culture of, of caring, generosity, of love, of, of um, living out the life of Jesus, of, you know, talking, uh, they're gossiping, they're um, showing up as a job, they're talking about how they hate it, their social media is how they hate it. Let's say that they're, they're just like a part-time weekend, um, you know, set up, tear down person, right? I, as the, the lead pastor, right? I still need to have a conversation with them and go, Hey, Jimmy, that that's just not who we are. Like, you know, I, I can't Mm. pass that down. Now that needs to be reinforced by their manager, by other people. But I also need to be the guy who's also saying, Hey, Jimmy, that's just not who we are. And because that's how I believe how deeply culture has to be owned um, and be good and owned by, by um, your visionary, your leader. It's so true. And specifically depending on the life cycle of the leader or where they're at in their tenure of leadership within an organization, the things that happen on day one of an assignment is that you're immediately the chief visionary officer of the organization, Mm -hmm. but you're also the chief culture officer of the community of the organization, Absolutely. which means that you better start working on your external communication strategy, just as much as you're working on your internal communication strategy. Yes. Leaders that don't lock in what they're talking about, how often they're talking about it, the things that they're about, the things that they're against, the things that they want to see happen, what the vision is, what the mission, values, behaviors, et cetera. If those things aren't developed into a strategic cadence of communication internally, uh, the culture isn't going to spread. No, right. Like nothing's going to happen. And I really believe too, that culture has got to be just inside of you, right? So like, like if, if I were to say, I, I want, I want us to build a culture where we're like, we are to the grind, you know, show up at 8am, you're not leaving till 8pm. And you're going to have every single list done for that day. And we're going to see and I want to see an ROI in every call you have. And I want to see billing on every, you know, I want, I want to know time studies. Like, that's not me. I, I can't, so I can't even, I can't even fathom creating that culture or living that culture out. So, so your culture is going to come from who you are and, and that's so important on there. And so, so I, I would say own it. Now you have to realize, like, are you in the right space? I would be the worst, absolute worst um, uh, CFO of an accounting firm. 
So I, I, I just, I, I'm not going to be good at, like, I can't, I can't lead that culture or CEO of an accounting firm. I can't lead that culture. So, so I shouldn't be in that industry. And, and so if you're kind of going, Hey, our industry is an industry where we're just boom, 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 boom. But in me, I'm like, Hey, let's go have, you know, lunch at Top Golf here or whatever. Just know your industry and know where you're at too, as well, because that's going to be an important part, but that culture really does have to come from your personality. Oh, it does. You might've heard me say this before, but here's, here's just kind of like the bottom line on it is that the things that we make most visible are the things that we end up replicating Amen. in the church context. We can get down to simple things. Like for example, you put a horrible guitar player on, on your stage on a Sunday morning, guess what you're going to attract? Right. Horrible guitar players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. But also the same thing is like the character that you put into your staff. Like if you, if you decide that you're going to take a shortcut when it comes to the character of your youth pastor, it's going right. to compromise the whole organization. Um, right. So, but also too, there's, there's, a, there's some safety in that too, right? So when I'm putting in a guy that's got, man, great chemistry on the team, high levels of character, really good competency. He's educated. He really understands the things that we're looking for uh, in a specific staff. Well, if he cares about those things, then you know that they're probably going to try to attract that, or they're going to expect those things from the leaders that they serve with. Right. Yeah. Amen. That's yeah. so good. All right. So um, just kind of drilling down here. So your level up leader tip that you submitted was this idea of accessible, accountable, and attentive. Can you break that down for me? Yeah. So, hey, I, I think every leader has to be accessible. And so I have an open door policy um, and, and it's not, it's not even a policy. It is just the reality that my door is open. Um, I don't, if I'm the only one in the office, in my office, I, my door is not closed. Um, and that's intentional. Um, I want people to know that they can they can access me at, at any time. Um, and then and then um, accountable. Um, I, I don't get everything right. And, and, and our team has the ability and anyone has the ability to say, hey, you I, like I didn't I didn't get this. You didn't get this right. Um, and I need to be open to that feedback. And then I also need to see it. I, we have we have a board member now. Um, he uh, uh, emailed me after a message and he just said, I don't think you got this part right. And, um, and, and on, a, on a theological part and, and, and he was right in the, in the reality of, I wasn't able to explain it all. Cause I had a certain amount of time. So I went back and said, Hey, you're totally right. Like here's, here's where I could have gone with that. And I probably didn't tighten that up as well as I could have, um, and, and maybe should have. And then I said to him, I love what you're doing. Will you serve on our board? And he's like, wait, what, like I, I was nervous to even send you an email and now you want me on the board. And I said, exactly. I want people that are going to hold me accountable. And, um, and, and people who are willing to say, oh, I don't know about this. Let's, let's talk this through. Um, and, and so, so that accountability, right. Accessibility. Give me the third one again. What was it? Uh, the, you had, uh, your three accessible, accountable, and attentive. Attentive. And then, and then the last one, right. Is like being present. I mean, you've got to be attentive to your people and you've got to see, and, and then, and then I think it's even willing to care enough about them to be able to say, hey, you doing okay? Like something seems off, right? Or, or, or even attentive of like, if someone comes up to talk to me, I gotta put my phone down. Um, if I'm in a meeting, my phone needs to be down. And by the way, let me just say this, I don't always get that right. Um, but I have, because I have the accessible and I have the accountable part, this is so important. Um, two weeks ago, I was in a meeting and I, I had to get some workout and I'm in a meeting and, um, one of our one of our team members was talking and I was I worked the whole time. I, I never looked up um, all that. Um, I had a person immediately following the meeting, shoot me a text, said, hey, can you stop by and see me? I stopped by and and she said, you know, they kept looking at you to see what you were thinking, but you never looked up from your computer. 
And I said, oh, yeah, I was like, that, that must have felt really bad for them. And I said, thank you to her. And I immediately went to that person. I said, I was a bad teammate right there. I said, I never looked up from my meeting. I said, I am so sorry. I, I totally devalued you. And, and he looked at me and he goes, I forgive you. And I said, thank you so much. I mean, it totally hurt him. And so I needed that. And, and that's the importance of being attentive in that spot, because if you're in a room, people want you there purposely. Um, so, so again, be about the people. Yeah. I love that. And I've, and I've, I've made that mistake, you know, a million times. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in rooms because I speak to be honest with you, like it is one of those things where I can tell the culture of an organization by when I'm in the room, by the number of eyes that I have connect. My, one of my yeah. mentors used to do this all the time, by the way. So they'd walk into a room and they would immediately like, almost like order the room to make sure they had eye contact with him before he'd actually start doing his presentation. Mm -hmm. I never really necessarily, I saw the value in that. I understand exactly why he was doing it because he'd been yeah. doing this for a long time. But, um, but yeah, I get that. I feel that as well. Um, I like what you shared about, um, about the accessible, by the way, I think proximity, um, yeah. I think proximity is a privilege, but it's absolutely necessary in order for you to really, um, lead culture. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. something that's been a little bit interesting in the, in, um, sometimes in the church space, but more, more a lot in some of the businesses that I'm working with to where the work from home environment now has just skyrocketed. Yep. Yep. Accessibility is becoming harder. Yeah, it is. It just means we have to be more intentional. Right. So so for me, like a couple of things that I would say is if you if you have a remote team that they're still local, but they're remote. So so here's one thing a leader can easily do is to say, hey, um, every every Wednesday, just intentionally in their mind, they say, I'm going to have lunch with one of my remote team members and, and just say, hey, at noon let's go grab lunch, right? Brown bag it or something like that. So, so, so that that's there, that's a really important piece um, there with, with that. Um, I, for me in my office, one of the things uh, I think our teams are getting used to um, is, is that I, I just pop into any office or cube um, any time of the day and just go, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Right. Like just opening that moment. Um, I, there's other ways to do it. We, we start every day with a standup, um, that I make sure I'm at. And that standup is two things. First, what are you trying to accomplish that day? And you can do this remotely. This can be done on zooms. What are you trying to accomplish that day? And then the second one is I have a question. Sometimes a question is serious. It will be sometimes spiritual. Sometimes it's fun. Like yesterday's question was, if you would never eat at one fast food place again, what would it be? Mine's Subway. I just feel like it's E. coli uh, between bread. So I, I would never eat at Subway. I'd rather starve and die than eat a sub sandwich from Subway. Um, I love Jimmy John's, um, but but yeah. So you know what I mean? So those are kind of fun things that people get and, and get in. So those are ways you can do proximity too, where it's just unveiling the the, uh, the, the, the skin of the onion a little bit, getting closer to you. Speaking of food, when are you going to have me on you and Johnny's food uh, lunch excursions? Come on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that scheduled. Yeah, it's super hard for Johnny and I to do that. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get that in there for sure. I, We're always I looking crack, for guests. I crack those. Those things crack me up, man. They're, oh, they're, they're so, so good. They're so fun. So, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw you something on this, just kind of as closing out here. So the second thing that you talked about was being accountable. Um, I think one of the things, especially pastors deal with this. And so maybe I want to talk to this directly to, to a pastor friend is that there's difference between somebody approaching you with a spirit of accountability versus approaching you with a spirit of critical thinking. Mm -hmm, sure. And I'm assuming based on the story that you gave that there was relational context with the person that gave you that, that feedback mm -hmm. um, regarding just 
theology and boy, th- theology, church would be so easy if we didn't have source material, right? <laughs> right, right, for sure. I'm just totally kidding. But um, <laughs> but no, but there's there's a big deal on that, right? So there's yeah. some things to where it's just like, for those that are listening, accountability is not for strangers. Right, right. And so talk to me a little bit about maybe how you separate that and sometimes because you, you're leading a crowd, you're leading a community, and then you're leading some core people that you've invited into accountability relationships. So how do you, how do you make it all work? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think uh, what you're talking about is, is a really important part of this. Um, and in the reality of that, right. So that first email wasn't necessarily accountability as much as it was a critical thinking, but, but there was vulnerability on, on that person's part. Um, now that invited them into a pretty prominent role of accountability. I mean, at this point, like my board is my boss. That's who I direct report to. Um, and so, so then I have high accountability with them mm-hmm. um, uh, to the, to the nth degree. I think, I think when we look at accountability, right. Um, there's a big difference between, and, and accountability comes in that um, I, I need to be held accountable to my yes is my yes. And to make sure that I'm also uh, leading and, and doing things in the way that are uplifting the culture that I'm trying to build. And so I need people to help me because I'm fallible. Um, and so it's really important for them to have that. Now, it doesn't mean that they're always right, right? Some, sometimes they may say something and I go, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, but but here's, here's what I really need to do. Now, if I'm dead wrong, I just need to like say, yeah, and own that and, and move forward on that. I think the other piece that's really important with accountability is, is being able, if I'm going to hold you accountable, then I also need to be held accountable and being able to say that, um, being able to say that we we do have the ability to receive that accountability and 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 own where we've messed and where we where we've missed, um, I remember reading some stuff or listening to a, a thing by Patrick Lencioni where where uh, you know they they did kind of a three sixty survey with a CEO and his team, and they asked the the CEO first to say hey how where where have you missed on this, and he said I, I don't think I have. Right. So he had no ability to be vulnerable. And then to a T, every person around that table said, yeah, here's where we're not getting it. He he got defensive. And and so so it just didn't. I mean, Lencioni was talking about this because it didn't work because um, he wasn't able to to receive that. And what he told his team was, don't don't tell me anything I don't want to hear. I, I there's no accountability for me. Right. Um, and so I, I think it's really important as leaders that our trusted circles, especially, have the ability to speak to us with what Kim Scott writes in her book, Radical Candor, that that we great can book. say, yeah, great book. And and if you don't have radical candor within your team, you, you're going to be really hard pressed to find accountability because then you're not able to talk. Right. One of the things that leaders don't think about enough is um, is when they have an opportunity to lead a team, they forget that they're actually being invited into a, an accountability relationship. Oh, that's so good. That's and weird. and that's the thing that like you know like everybody in in order for there to be you know full transparency. Um, so the the five the five key things that we talk about when we talk about trust, which by the way, trust is an interesting word because it's really subjective depending on the person that you talk to. You know, like how do you lose trust? How do you gain trust? How do I? But gaining trust within an organization, being thorough, being responsible, being understanding, being stable, and being transparent. Um, those pushing these things out there, but also at the same time, you can't actually have an accountable relationship with your team if those five things don't exist. Right. Right. 
That's so, so true. Oh, that's you, really good. You've been really, really great. Thank you so much for making time. Um, if Thanks people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah, you can um, easily get a hold of me through social media, Greg Griffiths Leads on Instagram or Facebook. Um, my email is really simple, gg at kingofkings.org um, there. And so any, anyway, you can get it through our website, kingofkings.org as well. Fantastic. To everybody who's listening, if you're in the Omaha area on a Sunday, uh, I know Greg, I know his people. In fact, the feature music that's on this podcast is Names Without Numbers, So, yeah. which, is, which is one of his worship guys, right? Yep. Yep. So, Dave Mullins. He's great. Super good. Literally so. a rock star. So <laughs> He is. So, all right, Pastor Greg, love you and appreciate you, bro. Hey, thanks so much, man. Greg did a great job outlining the things that he cares most about. And part of our conversation led to us actually talking about how credibility is the new charisma. So many times we allow our leadership and our influence circles to be influenced by people that have the biggest personalities and can talk the big talk and maybe not necessarily walk the big walk. What we've known is that simply this, is that when you surround yourself by people that are credible, that we know their character and we know specifically that they're about our organization, then they see our vision and they understand specifically what our mission is within our organization and they're loyal, we know that things are going to move forward in a healthy way. So thank you again, Greg, for being with us today. You absolutely did a great job. A special thank you to Names Without Numbers for allowing us to use their music on this podcast. We decided that we only wanted to use music that I've produced in the studio as a part of this presentation, so we think that's pretty cool. Thank you again, guys. Now, please remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on all of our platforms on social media and on YouTube as well, so you can keep up to date with what we're doing with executive coaching and teams coaching, keynote speaking, and all of our leadership events. We love having you guys being a part of the journey with us, and I don't want you to miss a thing. Thank you.